All right, I want to get a little bit of a poll here. Who likes holidays? Yeah, that's a decent chunk of you. And whoever didn't put up their hand, you're lying. No. <laughs> you all love holidays. That's why there's so many people away today. It's the school holidays time. It's a good time to go on holidays. So we, I don't know. I don't know about you guys. I like holidays. One of the aspects of why I like holidays is obviously you get to go to your favorite beach. You can go out west if you want to. You can go into the hinterland. You can do whatever you want. If you can go overseas, hopefully soon. In the past, we have gone and been able to do that. And it's an amazing time. But one of the aspects of a holiday is that it's something to be looking like that you can look forward to, yeah? It's something like whilst you're working or you're at school, maybe you're at uni or whatever you're doing, you've got the kids going absolutely nuts at home and you're just like, man, I cannot wait for a holiday. And <laughs> so enduring kind of some of the times where life can get hard as well, even if we really love our work, we really love school, we love all these different things, really good things. Even in that time, even when we're going through really hard things, often I don't know about you guys, but holidays, that time off where you can just like relax, you can rest, and you're just like, ah, I don't have to think about all the stresses of work, I don't have to stress about this or that and that kind of thing. It kind of acts a little bit like a future hope, yeah? Yeah, that, it, it's an everyday kind of thing, or even like TGI Friday, thank God it's the weekend. Like people are like all the time, like I cannot wait for my weekend, I can't wait for my day off. It's a hope that will help us get through the current moment, yeah? And what in a, this is kind of a small kind of glimpse of kind of what we, the hope that we have in, in Jesus, is that we have this kind of huge future hope. So I'm going to read from Revelation 21 to verses 1 to 4, and this talks about kind of like the end of days kind of thing. This is like, this is our end state. It's like when Jesus is coming back. Um, so if you want to turn there, it will be on the screen as well. So Revelation 21 verses 1 to 4. So it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And here's the key bit. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. So you get this sense that um, the writer John uh, of Revelation, he was, he, there's this kind of, that we see right at the start, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. That's, so the, the one that's passing away is the current one that we're in. And you kind of get this sense that he's like, something's wrong with it. And I'm going to get to that in a minute, but then he's going to renew this earth. 
It's, this one will pass away and then will be renewed. And part of that is that we'll be, we can have a relationship with God right now, but it's, we kind of don't have it in its fullness, yeah? We still kind of live in a bit of a broken state. A lot of people would call this the now, but not yet. But what this is promising is that in this end state, he will make all things new and that we will be face to face with Jesus, that we, the dwelling place of God will be with his people, that we'll just be uninhibitedly in his presence. And that one of these key things is that he'll wipe away every tear. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And these kinds of things that are going to pass away, we experience all the time, don't we? Our world is so broken and it doesn't take much to see it. You think about sickness. We've had, we've been in probably just past two years of a, of a global pandemic. We've seen cancer. We pe- people die way earlier than they probably should. We've seen all different kinds of things in that way. We've got war and violence. The 20th century alone is one of the most bloody centuries we've ever seen. It's so many millions and millions of people have died. We see this brokenness. We see violence between people all the time. We see broken relationships. Maybe that's between um, whether it's like in, in the family unit. Maybe there's been a divorce. Maybe kids aren't getting along with their parents. Maybe there's something that's happened that's falling out. Maybe friendships have broken down. And we live in a time as well where almost it seems like anxiety and depression are just at like an all-time high. It may not be at the height, but it's pretty high. It's pretty high at the moment. So we kind of, and those are just a few different things, but we sense and we experience that this world isn't, kind of how it should be, yeah? It's a bit broken. We experience it. We see it every day. And this passage, it promises that this kind of stuff will be no more. Think about that for a second. That this will be no more. That he'll wipe away every tear from our eyes, from their eyes. There shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. This current moment is temporary. It will pass away. It's temporary. It's not a really beautiful thing to think about. I don't know about you, but when you go through hard times, when you're low, when you're feeling weak, these kinds of things, this kind of promise, this ultimate promise, I couldn't think of anything better, is the thing that gets you through. Where there's no corruption, no stealing, no hunger, no death. And it's kind of, we get this sense that, yeah, that's exactly how it should be, yeah? It's exactly how it should be. Each of us on some level experience the brokenness of this world and probably will continue to until when Jesus comes or when we go to be with him. Some experience it even more than others and it hurts, it leaves a scar. It leaves bad memories. It brings tears. It brings mourning. It brings these things that this passage is talking about. And when this happens, we get this kind of sense, as in the sense that we kind of go, man, 
those things being a way, that is how it should be. But when we experience those things, we often get the opposite kind of feeling where we kind of go, actually, this isn't how it should be. You talk to almost anyone. I don't think I've ever met someone that's kind of gone, yeah, no, the brokenness in this world, that's exactly how it's meant to be. Like, this is awesome. Like, this is great. Like, whether they're a Christian or not, I've never met someone personally that's kind of gone, yep, this is all good. We can all sense it, that something is not right, that something is broken, and that we need something to change. We need a saviour. But to know that it'll actually get put right will change everything. It should change everything. This promise that we have should change everything in our current moment. The fact that we do know that this isn't how it should be and we have a sense of what it should be should point us even more that this promise that Jesus gives us is the thing, is the game changer. Kind of a little bit like my holiday example, where you're kind of going through this life and it's hard and that type of thing. You're looking forward to a holiday because it's kind of like the light at the end of the tunnel. It's a future hope on a much bigger level. This future hope is what helps us get through this life. But even more than that, it helps us to get through this life because we kind of know that this isn't our end state. This isn't everything that is here. It isn't the only thing. And this isn't the last last time. But I've kind of thought about it because you think about brokenness, yeah? Many of us have experienced it in various ways. It's very real. You feel it. You might like literally feel it. It might be, you might have injured yourself or something like that, or you're sick. You emotionally feel it. You mentally feel it. You have people around you feel it. So it's tangible, yeah? Brokenness is tangible. So my question for us today, and I just want to make a pretty simple point. I don't have a long message, is how do we make this future hope, which is kind of knowledge in a way, how do we make that go from our head to our heart? Because we experience brokenness on a heart level most of the time, where it's very personal and it affects us. So knowledge alone is good, but it needs, to, it needs to go down into our heart. It needs to be something that is tangible that we can actually hold onto. And I kind of want to, I want to at least just pick up, there's many things you can do, but I want to pick up on one thing from the scriptures that will help us. So Isaiah uh, 40, verses 31, a very well-known passage. Isaiah 40, verses 31, it says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So you get this sense that we kind of are the opposite often, that instead of being... Like, we need strength because we're weak. We need to be brought high on wings like, uh, uh, like eagles because we're quite low. We're not doing very good. You get this sense that we are kind of feeling weary because we're running at a mile's pace uh, so, so quickly in this life. And sometimes we're walking in a way. There's many ways you can look at this passage, but you can, you're walking because you're so tired and you feel like fainting. So... There's this kind of presumption, though, that to get this strength, to kind of get this uplifting, to not faint, to not grow weary, is that the key thing is that we need to wait upon the Lord. We need to wait upon the Lord. That's the key, right at the start there. 
but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. When we wait upon the Lord, he renews our strength. When we wait upon the Lord, he will mount us up with wings like eagles. When we wait upon the Lord, we shall run and not grow weary. When we wait upon the Lord, we shall walk and not faint. The presumption is that we're waiting on the Lord in the first place. Because my point is, is that, and I find this in my own life, I think we all experience this, is that often we can wait upon and we can dwell upon other things. We're kind of, our eyes aren't really always focused on God. We're not waiting upon Him as we're going through some of the brokenness of this world. And it's not hard to do. It's not hard to get distracted by the brokenness and the badness of this world. You think about the dawn of most, like, kind of modern technology, like social media. You've got the news. You've got, we're connected more than ever, and it does not take much to find out what's going on in our world. It doesn't take much to hear from other people and what they're going through. Whereas not that long ago, I imagine we'd, we were just never that connected. We weren't that as aware of what's going on around the world. It's really easy to get distracted and held down, to feel low, to feel weak and weary by what's happening in your own life, let alone what's happening in the world at the moment. It's easy to wait upon those things rather than waiting upon the Lord. It can be really all-consuming sometimes. I don't know about you guys, but I see in our society such a fear at the moment a fear and this kind of a real anxiety. And it can take our focus away from the Lord. And I know I've experienced that myself. It's a horrible feeling. It's a horrible feeling. But the implication here, sorry, it can, my question, sorry, is that are we waiting upon the Lord, are we waiting upon the world, sorry, and its troubles? Are we waiting upon the world and its troubles? Are we waiting upon the Lord and His goodness? Which one are we waiting upon? Which one are we looking to the most? Because the implication here is that if we're not waiting upon the Lord, then we will actually start to become weak. We will start to become low. We'll start to become weary. We'll start to feel faint when we're not doing this, when we're not waiting upon the Lord, when we're looking to other things. I experience that again myself. If I like take my eyes off the Lord and I start doing it in my own strength, I start feeling weak. I start feeling tired. I feel low. I think we can all experience that to some degree. And what we focus on is actually really, really important. <laughs> There's a lot of science behind this. There's a lot of psychology behind it. The Bible... 100% tells us about is that basically what you focus on is a lot of what will influence you and how you think and how you live and how you act. All those kinds of things is what we consume our mind with will affect us. And that's why we're often told in the Bible to dwell upon the Word, to dwell upon Jesus always, to rejoice always. It's kind of this constant thing because we need to just be like soaked in it. We need to be soaked in it, otherwise we'll be soaking in something else. So in this time of a broken world, that we kind of this broken state that we experience, are we waiting upon the world? 
or are we waiting upon the Lord? So I want to make a little small point, is that am I saying that this is easy? (laughs) Am I saying that this is just like when we wait upon the Lord that everything's just going to be hunky-dory? Am I saying that we should just ignore all the brokenness in our world as if it's not there, kind of put it in the the closet and just ignore it? And my answer is no, no. You can't ignore it. Sometimes I feel like you do when it's, when it's kind of not really affecting you particularly and it can get too overwhelming. You need to just focus on one thing at a time. But we can't ignore it all the time. And you see this in the Psalms. I love the Psalms. They're so good. Because you see like a d- decent chunk of the Psalms, you'll see them. the Psalmist kind of go, God, where are you? Like, what is going on? Like, my enemies are surrounding me right now. And I'm in pain. People don't like me. What is happening? My enemies are like somehow richer and they're just like, they're prospering at the moment. Like, what's the deal? And like, they experience this brokenness, and they're very raw about it. They don't hide it. The Bible doesn't hide it at all. We see brokenness everywhere. We see it everywhere. The Bible is full of people that have experienced the brokenness of this world and are struggling because of it. It's very real, and it's not like that it will just kind of automatically go away. It will start to. We actually do need to be real with it, our brokenness. We need to face it sometimes. But do you know what will help us in that brokenness? Is I see two kind of implications here. We can, like stock standard, we're going to go through this world. We're probably going to experience its brokenness. And we can do that with God or without Him. We can do that with Him or without Him. And my, my, my opinion is that we should do it with God, that we should be waiting upon Him. Because we need that strength, church. We need it. I need it. I need that strength. I need that uplifting of of the Lord during this time. I need strength to not faint and grow weary. I think we all do because it can be overwhelming. Because the Lord will strengthen us. He will. He will lift us up when we're low. He will enable us to keep going, to run. And if all we can do is walk, he'll help us there too. And that's way better than trying to get through this world without God and feeling weak, low, faint, and weary. And you see this in the Psalms too. So on one hand, they're kind of like, God, what's going on? This is horrible. The world sucks. And then on the other hand, they'd be like, you know what? You've been good in the past, God. I'm going to trust you. I've seen your promises and how you've been faithful, and I'm going to trust you. Lord, work in my situation despite how I'm feeling. In a sense, you see them going to God and waiting upon him. Over and over, we see this. They wait upon the Lord. They're like, this is happening, but I'm coming to you. I'm not going to dwell upon this more than I need to. I'm going to lift it up to you, and I'm going to trust you. And I think more than ever, we need to do that right now. We have a complicated world. I'm talking about it tonight with this guy. It's complicated. It's complex. The movements in history in the past 60, 70 years has just been astronomically quick. It's crazy. Even the past 10 to 20 years, in, in my own experience, it's gone quick. We need... 
to wait upon the Lord. And it's in this space of waiting upon the Lord and keeping our future hope on Him. So we wait upon the Lord in the present and we look to the hope that we have that this won't be the case forever. It's kind of this simultaneous thing. We do something in the present, wait upon the Lord, but we keep our eyes focused on this future hope that we have at the same time. And this has to be a daily thing. It has to be. So I'm going to invite the team to come up now. And, oh, sorry, I'm going to invite Graham to come up uh, in a moment's time. (laughs) I got my order wrong. Um, But I just have a couple of questions for us, and then I'm going to pray. Are we waiting upon the Lord, or are we so consumed with the world? Are we waiting upon the Lord, or are we waiting upon the world? And my second question is, what hope are you looking to? Do you have a hope here this morning? We had an awesome, of, uh, awesome time where Jared, he's told us he didn't have a hope at one point. And now he does. And if you don't have that, I would love to speak with you. One of us would love to speak with you because this is tangible. It's not just knowledge. It is real. You can talk to Jared if you want to. He'll tell you all about it, how it's changed his life. You can talk to most of us here of how it's changed your life. But my question even for us who do know Jesus is, are we putting our hope in Jesus? Are we putting it in earthly things? And my prayer for us, church, and for myself, is that we'll wait upon the Lord daily and that we'll look to the future hope that we have with Him. Let's pray. Lord, I say thank you that you, you're not separated from this brokenness. You experienced it. We see this in Jesus. We see that he experienced the brokenness of this world, Lord God. I know, and we can relate with you in that, that you can relate with us. Lord, I thank you that you haven't just left us to our own devices, that we're just kind of standing here trying to work this out, trying to grapple onto whatever hope we can find, but we have a tangible hope in you. Lord, I pray that we'd be a people that would wait upon you in this world, Lord God, that we'd be a shining light through that, that people would see that our confidence and that our, that our rock is in you and not in something else, Lord God. And I pray that more and more people will come to know this hope. Amen.